shit would be so tight <laughs> if my pinky was this long. What would you do with a pinky that long? Uh, dude, I'd go on America's Got Talent. <laughs> Say, I need a volunteer <laughs> to come to the stage. <laughs> I need uh, uh, Blake Shelton to come up here. <laughs> is that is that who's America's Got Talent? I think so, right? Christina Aguilera. I guess I could have said the girl. <laughs> In the land of the Chinese, I'll f the b. Oh, beer's good. Hello. What's hey, up? I'm so sorry. I literally woke up early for this and then. I was like, oh, I'm like on time. I'll go get coffee. And then I fell asleep again. I like, didn't have no more. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's all, it's right. all good. I've been uh I've been predicting my own pass out times. Times uh-huh. I know that like I can't go any longer. And I just set I just keep alarms going off all the time like mm-hmm. a fucking psychopath. No, I feel the same way. Um, like I just got in trouble at work for like my uh Timeliness and stuff, so I guess that has to be something I change as I turn 27, but woohoo. Hell yeah. <laughs> when is your birthday? It's on July 30th. Oh shit, coming up. Does that make you when? a Capricorn? No, no I'm a Leo. Leo. He's a oh, Leo, of oh, course. Yeah. Of course he's a fucking Leo. My wife's birthday is July 29th. Oh, amazing. Ooh. Yeah. I, July Leos are very special. I would say so. That's a I good one so too. For it. Yeah. <laughs> I should have obnoxious is another one. <laughs> Erica's a Leo too. So oh really? Yeah, I should have already known that. Yeah, whenever my wife leaves the house, she's always in like floral print. Uh-huh. Like belly out frills. She's Mexican too, right? So it's the Leo mixed with the Mexican kind of thing. Yeah. And uh she loves it. She's very, she embraces her Leoness whole hog. Just, you know, this is who I am. This is, this is what I'm all about. And of course I'm much more reserved, which is really funny because like when we go out in public, I look dumpy in like a t-shirt and basketball shorts and she looks all hot and cool. And, uh, you know, but you see that a lot, I guess you see a lot of hot girls with like dumpy dudes and people go, what is, what's their thing? And I'm like, I don't know. I just like, we got together. No, I don't think yeah. anyone wants men to be like uh, overly groomed. Honestly, like the basketball shorts is is a much better choice. I think. <laughs> good. It's good to know. <laughs> Not that you're going to change good. anything anyway, but <laughs> yeah. If somebody was like, "You have to groom," I would be like, mm, "Well, thanks." Bad. Yeah, thank you for the advice. But all right, Kelby. Um, so we're talking, we're talking Gaunts. We're talking the whole goddamn thing. Thirty-seven. You gonna cue me for the intro and then just yeah, take and yeah. then just take over and then just yeah, <laughs> and then just yeah. start <laughs> introing it yourself. Yeah, yeah. Um, What's good? This is Agitator, the only independent hustle, craft, and spirituality broadcast influenced by the works of Takashi Miike. I'm Kelby Losak. I'm J. David Osborne, and our guest's name is. Hi, I'm Zach Lingli Chi Chi from the I'm So Popular podcast. Thanks for having me back. <laughs> 
Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm just tickled by this whole thing. Yeah, we're talking guns. We're talking guns. We're talking all 37 Tankobans. Tankobans? How do you pronounce that, Zach? Tankoban. Tankoban. Thank Mm. you. Uh, It ran from 2000 to 2013. And uh, so I've read the whole thing and I've seen the first movie and I've seen the CGI movie. Mm-hmm. Did did we all, we're all caught up, right? Everybody here is caught up on all the guns. I have now read the manga twice. I saw both of the live action films in theaters when they came out in America. I've not seen the CGI film. Um, and then I've read some of the samurai manga that they're doing currently. I don't know if you're mm-hmm. familiar with that. It's okay. Um, and I haven't read Gaunt's Oh, I believe that one is unfamiliar to me, but that's my exposure. Oh, I've seen the anime too. Right, right, right. So how did you discover Gantz? So I was really sick in middle school and I had a four day fever uh, and I couldn't do anything but like lay in bed. And so I had been watching a lot of like kind of shock value anime at the time, like Elfin Lead. Uh, and the quality of uh, that stuff is pretty low, honestly. It's it's really for the visual splendor of gore and, uh, you know, intensity. So when I was on that path, it kind of naturally led me towards Gaunt's. And so I watched um, both seasons of the anime. The first season is okay. And then the second season is like pretty off the rails. But I was so fascinated by the premise and like this hyper sped up death game premise that I uh, immediately started reading the manga. And I think I read the whole thing in like two weeks. Uh, I read everything up to that. What was published because I think that I caught up to like episode, like chapter 300. And then I had to read the rest of it weekly as it was coming out. Oh, cool. That's awesome. And were you yeah. reading in Japanese at the time? Or Absolutely waiting? not. <laughs> I was <laughs> I was like a retarded little middle schooler who had, didn't could even speak like a word of Spanish. So no, I read it all in English. But um, this time I read the first twenty volumes in Japanese, and then I said, "Ooh, the episode is next week. Let's uh, speed this up." I did the last bit in English. <laughs> <laughs> what's that? Uh, what's that translation like? Because I've I've read uh, most of it pirated. And so mm-hmm. a lot of the fan translations are interesting to say. They the least. are colorful, aren't they? Because I yeah. read a fan translation for the last half and they're a little bumpy, rocky boots. But like the <laughs> I was reading fan translations as it was coming out. And to be honest, um, Oku is not, you know, the world's most articulate conductor of dialogue so you're not really missing much um the one thing i I did notice is i think honestly some of the formal translations drop a lot of the obscure japanese cultural references like in the first volume they reference like denpa shonen which is a show i love and have covered um and it wouldn't make sense to westerners without explanation so they they left it in in the fan translation but i think they took it out of the official one yeah i did notice a whole lot of like asterisk tagged shit that was like Mm -hmm. footnote this is really popular in japan you probably don't know anything about it though (laughs) i mean it's a huge well and oku is like clearly so obsessed with like pop culture both like western and and, uh you know eastern so uh you have to have a pretty like 
encyclopedic knowledge of like Japanese television uh, and uh, pop culture to get every reference that he brings up, but it doesn't really detract from the experience if you don't know it. So many Matrix references throughout oh God, the yeah. whole thing. <laughs> like he just wants to keep reminding you, I really liked the Matrix. We're like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, Oku. <laughs> so where to even begin with this fucking beast? Now you two covered the first half of the manga previously, and it was a it was a really lovely episode. Um, and it, I thought it gave like a really nice introduction to what the series is all about. But it is kind of impossible to put into words succinctly, isn't it? It is like a uh, Matrix meets Battle Royale kind of kill them all. Uh, well, it was three hundred and eighty three freestyled chapters. Totally this freestyled totally free week to week he was like mm -hmm. i have no idea what i'm doing and let's have fun and uh you can kind of feel that especially towards the end where it's like the last 50 60 chapters are trying to explain what the fuck has been happening the mm -hmm. whole time <laughs> well Which... he he said that he had in an interview he said the only thing that he knew was that last catastrophe arc he said he started with that in mind but that all he knew was he he wanted to do his version of independence day those those are his words uh so <laughs> nothing else not war of the worlds not like he wanted to do independence day but uh -huh. bigger and so up until then he said in that very same interview, he said up until then, he really was just, he's like week to week. He's like, I, or it wouldn't have been week because it ran 13 years, right? Mm -hmm. So there had to have been gaps in there and hiatuses and what have you, probably between arcs, if I had to guess. But he was, um, he had a team of illustrators uh, and CGI animators who he was kind of directing. He would sketch things and they would, make the backgrounds and make the monsters and then he would he was very focused on the faces mm -hmm. oku is like the he's he's all about like the tears streaming down the face and making sure that they kind of subtly make sense in terms of the plot but i love this idea i guess we can we can cover it i think with ryan we covered it up to osaka yeah did we talk yeah. about osaka yeah or did we uh, wait no we got up to uh, the shooting, maybe the, shoot, the shooting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. the shooting. Yeah. Right. Which yeah. is, you know, one of the best things ever. But I guess if you want to like briefly yes. summarize what it is, it is a death game manga in which those who have been recently deceased are resurrected as kind of clones of themselves in a room, a big black ball that gives them orders to violently kill aliens around uh, Tokyo and then later various locations um, and then as the plot develops more asinine rules are introduced and uh, it becomes increasingly more convoluted and complex as it uh, you know traverses three hundreds of chapters but yeah it's like very biting and nihilistic and up until the end like extraordinarily un- friendly and it butchers its cast uh basically every 30 chapters and mm -hmm, it mm -hmm. kills the protagonist it kills the other protagonist everyone dies uh 
I think I can say that with confidence. Every character dies. And because of like a plot convenience that this uh, black ball called Gaunt that's giving them the orders to kill aliens can also resurrect people. Uh, characters come back. They come back as clones. Multiple versions of characters come back. Uh, it's insane, but it's like one of the most like propulsive and like libidinal mangas I've ever read. Totally. Yeah, it makes you question uh, the existence of a soul within this universe, mm-hmm. and the and the characters themselves <laughs> are often saying there is no god, and a lot of them are s- saying it in a sense of like there's no point to life, and then others are arguing that like no, there is because to be human is what it is to be alive. Like fuck mm-hmm. God, basically, but. It, it's also a it's a very interesting um, kind of meditation on what like what is reincarnation mm-hmm. like if you can just die and come back as a what, what did Michael Jackson put it as uh, and that last the truth being at the end where yeah, it's changing between Nelson Mandela yeah. and Hitler and all that, Stephen Hawking is like Gandhi you're gonna die <laughs> and come back as a twenty year old American woman. <laughs> Just because you're just a bunch of data. It's a- yeah, yeah, and if people like they they were they were so upset by that. Um, yeah, no, it is super nihilistic. But I think that you know we just covered in the book club we covered Altered Carbon, mm. which is a a sci-fi novel where people can get re-sleeved in new bodies, um, and their soul or data gets sent up to the cloud it's called a needle cast and then they can get reborn in new bodies. And Gantz really does that as well. Um, where there is no real eternal soul at one point, there's two Coronos, right? Yeah. Like he gets cloned because the Rika, his supermodel, big titty ass girlfriend loves him so much that she needs to make a clone fuck boy version of him or whatever. Uh, well, cause he rejects her for the otaku. Yeah. He rejects her for the homely, uh, <laughs> Which, by the way, at the end, I was just, I was fucking just skipping pages where it was just them screaming each other's name over and over again. Hey, John. Ty. Hey, John. Ty. Like, I swear to God, like, this is why the fan translation is, is more than sufficient. It, there are chapters at length where it is just people saying their name at each other. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah breathtaking. <laughs> With, like, tears, like, rivers of tears coming down their face. Like, he's so, yeah. he, lo- he loves this ugly bitch so much. That he's just he's just weeping <laughs> because because if you go like their connecting moment was when she fucked the shit out of him for the first time yeah and she, that, yeah she throated it yeah she throated it that was, was when really he was like gra- I'm it in was love. graphic <laughs> like, yeah it was, it was, it was super <laughs> yeah it's wild because I guess like the other like running thread of this at least for the first maybe. 12 volumes is that it is like the buildings roman of a young man like an unsocialized young man who becomes a fully fledged realized person um but it's so funny because that character arc resolves like a third of the way into the manga and like k is like ready to go and is like a man by like volume 13 and then doesn't really change for like the rest of the manga i thought that was amazing yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> they're just always like his will to survive is incredible, 
<laughs> and it, it stays there. And that's the, what it is. <laughs> Dude, I was I was reading uh, fan reactions to the end of Gantz, um, where, you know, this catastrophe arc happens and aliens mm-hmm. invade and they treat us like we're just, you know, bugs and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And then people were complaining about the ending. And the, the complaints they had about the ending is, number one, that Reka's death happens off off screen, so to mm-hmm. speak. And then they also said, but it all just feels like like the characters didn't get wrapped up. And as I was reading these critiques, I was like, did I miss something? Like, what characters, what arcs didn't <laughs> didn't get resolved? <laughs> like, the people who've been the exact same for 350 chapters before. Like, I, I think that Ty is introduced in, like, volume 10 or something, and she is precisely the same with no alterations in her behavior or any complicated emotionality for the rest of the series like the women in this are so like fantastically empty with so little complicated (laughs) motivation or like it's amazing like i really do think (laughs) this is one of like the horniest and like most like left field realizations of sexuality on the page ever created because it's like so brazenly like objectifying and i would never say that word but it's like true it is totally oh yeah. true. oh yeah. yeah it's totally true there's one of my favorite scenes in the whole book is so reika who's this supermodel who dies and then gets reincarnated and you know she's a swimsuit model she's got these big ass boobs and her death scene to me had me dying laughing. Oh my God. Because he's trying to give her CPR and her tits are too big to like give her CPR. So he's like going through the folds of these enormous anime titties to try to resuscitate his girlfriend. Bro, that's the funniest shit in the whole book. It's incredible. Um, the, uh, the first time I read this, I was like in middle school, like I said. And so I'd be reading it on my phone on one of those like ghetto like manga box.com sites or whatever and i would be like at super bowl parties with like my parents and like all of our like friends <laughs> and i would be reading gaunts on my phone and then you would go to the chapter head and it's just porn it's like yeah. just like lightly software porn of like women like with their like shirts up and like <laughs> like their boobs are out and they're like wearing like four pieces of the gaunts costume um and i, I really I obviously was just like, okay, next page. Like, <laughs> and it's not better. It doesn't give it. Like, my mom came over uh, to because you know, obviously, grandma stuff came to hang out with my kid, mm-hmm. and so I've got my kid on one side, and my mom walks in on the other, and I'm on my Kindle reading Gaunts, oh. and it's the chapter where the Gaunts team is raping the aliens. Oh my and god! So like, and <laughs> it has a great line in it where uh, they're making the two aliens fuck. And the dude says, I'm jealous. That dude's got three dicks. And there's like a tiny little human who's like fucking a giant alien pussy on it. And I'm like, I'm trying. I don't know which way to angle my Kindle so, so that nobody can see what I'm reading. So better if my two-year-old that? sees this or if my <laughs> mom sees this. I'm going to go with the two-year-old. I feel like this he would do no though. damage to a developing no. psyche at all. No, um, no. I think the main target audience for this manga in Japan is like 16 to 22 year olds. 
Um, mm-hmm. And I recently discovered that um, basically all the stuff that we like in terms of like anime and manga has a common thread. And that common thread is that they make pachinko machines for it. Huh. All of the weird, edgy, dark, kind of gory, you know, sexual in your face stuff, it's turned into a pachinko machine. So I was talking to this guy I'm seeing about like Madoka and Ava and like Gaunt. So I was like, oh yeah, did they finish like Gaunt for this podcast? And he's like, why is all the stuff you like at pachinko? And then we like went down the street to a pachinko parlor and there's a fucking Gaunt machine there. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's just wild but like oku is kind of like a blockbuster like mangaka now because of this uh series and now he kind of has license to do whatever he wants but um it really is just like so off the cuff and like out of his dick i it's mm-hmm. really beautiful to me because the depth is not there uh you know it's this isn't something that you find extraordinary you know thematic empowering meaning from but like the total accomplishment of this one horny weird guy's vision is just off the charts you do feel like whatever you might lose in that off the cuff shit you don't it, it's all made up for in that propulsiveness and that frenetic energy mm-hmm. and uh there's value in archetypes too in that like I'm I'm to the point now with being a dad. It's like I see a mu- muscle rider and Takeshi had me like several moments. Like, oh, it's not even deep. They're just like he's just like I'll take care of you, and I'm like that's <laughs> he's gonna take care of this kid. <laughs> that's cute. I love K. Like I I don't know. I have like my own you know struggles and you know being like an kind of creepy uncomfortable incel for the first like 10 volumes is not really one of them but it is nice to see a character come into masculinity uh without any like sort of question mark around it and then be rewarded for it Mm. for the rest of the series like without any sort of like extra comment about toxicity or like whatever he just like wins like when he wins and i feel like that's great that's a really good point very relevant to to current society of like yeah Gantz is a not just libidinal uh horny it's pro-masculine mm-hmm. in a way that i think is really necessary like art that if you want real men back in culture and i, I don't even i don't mean that in like the giga chad like mm-hmm. you know uh gay brutish way i mean like men like good men like you need to show positive signs of masculinity which what's well, nice too because he's does. so horrible at the beginning i mean he's unbearable he's so whiny like hey is one of the worst most obnoxious protagonists for like half of the first like initial run he's deliberately an unpleasant person and watching him become like a leader and someone with the will to live is, you know, it's wholesome and uncomplicated. And I really like it. <laughs> and he gets it mainly from a, a what was his name? Ka, Karu Akato. Uh, Akato. Yeah. From see from his just goodness, mm-hmm. which is kind of driven by his will to 
live and make it back to his little brother who he keeps leaving (laughs) yeah wanting to be like (laughs) bro stop trying to save the world you have a child you are leaving in an orphanage (laughs) like you have a kid brother wandering the streets starving you need to like like fuck the world bro Kato is another character who dies very early on and then like comes back like 10 volumes later. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I also like that he is actually the the hero yeah. of the whole thing. And he's just constantly like, Chrono's so fucking badass. Like he's so cool. I love him so much. It's like, no, you're the you're the actual like good mm-hmm. good person. He's like, I wish I could just be like him. That shit would be so cool. As though heroism is a thing that you're just genetically born with, and it doesn't matter how much Corona sucks. Like, he's just, he's the guy. So you got to look at him and be like, God damn, that guy's fucking, he's so good. There's no reason for him to be good. I noticed that in a lot of, uh, uh, well, I have noticed that in anime that I've read is that it's never quite explained why heroes are heroes. It uh-huh. is kind of a, they're just born that way. Like that's, really, that's just the guy. It's really interesting because I think it, it like depends because a lot of times it's like the motivation is overstated about why they need to be a hero. Like it's like mm-hmm. they will literally like be weeping on screen, like, and then barking through their tears as they like lift up their fists and like shout and be like, the reason I have to be a hero is this. So it's mm-hmm. like either that or it just is like the natural order of things. Um, like, I'm currently watching Common Rider Ryuki for my show when we we do that in a few weeks here. And like it also really intrigued me watching uh that, like while I'm like funneling through Gaunts again, because it's like very different portrayals of like heroism. And the one in Gaunts is like uh, you know, very bleak. Like it doesn't feel um reliable. Like in the same way that human souls like seem so like trivial and or questioned a lot um especially like in the first half you also kind of feel like a like heroism or goodness is also close to non-existent uh through, for a lot of the, the manga mm-hmm. what were y'all's uh highlights throughout these 37 volumes the pilot hits the pilot hits alien is is just amazing of course yeah that's incredible i was gonna say i was gonna say that uh the entire osaka arc i think is where the series really peaked and i like where they went after osaka they went to Mm -hmm. italy and they're fighting you know the statues and the creatures are really cool um i i vibe with the consensus that once you get to catastrophe it becomes much less interesting um I don't I I think the ending was great. I think that everybody was wrong about the ending being disappointing. I think for what it was, it was totally fine. But Osaka's really where it has everything firing on all cylinders because you have different teams who are mm-hmm. a bit nastier than the Tokyo team. So the Osaka guys are, you know, they're raping the the creatures and they're gross, but they're also they're more sh- badass. They're shooting heroin before they ride those. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> those big wheel motorcycles. Yeah, it's very also, Osaka. 
but it's also got like the best character design. It's got the big rolling heads and the dog thing and the the little midget with the big alien head. Yeah. Uh, and the 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 scary oni mask demon thing. I really I feel like Osaka was was peak gods. Um, yeah. Besides think... like alien Buddha, right? Alien Buddha. Yeah, alien then... Buddha is amazing. I think for me the series peaks with the shooting. Um, I feel like Oku has like the most like unsettling way of depicting mass violence that even like it really gets under your skin when you read it and so I feel like it could have ended like one arc after that with like Kay becoming but the thing is is that I don't hate the ending either people would get so upset about it mm-hmm. but I don't know what they expect like I read it, a comment on reddit and someone's like yeah they should have had like an abstract like Evangelion ending and I'm like no <laughs> Why would it do that? It doesn't make any sense. I, it ending conventionally and with joy after, you know, like 38 volumes of torture is it's fine by me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. No, I was kind of like, please, please, with how nihilistic it was getting, especially in the room of truth, mm-hmm. with it just all being like, humans are just things. You're no different than an insect. And look, I'm going to recreate these people because I have their data and I'm just going to alchemize a soul out of thin air. And here's the people that died, all, all the, the like three big titty chicks and then the old man. Uh-huh. <laughs> and they're just like, it's actually, it's them where they're like, whoa, what happened? I was dead, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And they're just like, okay, now they're dead again. I was like, yeah. please, please let this have a good ending. Like, I love that that happened. And like when they go into the room of truth, the 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 big statuesque alien tells them, I won't lie to you. You can ask me any question and I won't lie to you. Mm-hmm. And they ask it questions and it answers. And then they get to a certain point and they're like, oh, cool. So, so you you came to save earth for humanity. And it's like, hang on a second. It's not a question is what I'm saying. Like nobody asked it to tell them that they're all meaningless. It's like, but I feel like this needs to be said. You all need to understand how pointless your existence is. And then it goes mm-hmm. on this just long diatribe about like, yeah, oh, you're, you're, you're pretty much worthless. We don't actually care about you, which doesn't, I mean, I don't know the, uh, I don't know. Nihilism to me in books just reads, it doesn't do anything at all. I don't hate it. I don't love it. It's just, it's a mode of mm-hmm. artistic expression. But when, once they got to that room, I thought it was really funny that I thought it was funny. All like the, the cameos too, like Kelby mentioned whenever something really important was about to be said, like it has Michael Jackson's face for some reason mm-hmm. and then has like, you know, Albert Morgan Einstein Freeman. and Nelson Mandela and yeah, Morgan Freeman. Right. Um, oh, no, Nelson Mandela, my bad. <laughs> um, and then, uh, and then the alien. There's like an alien later on that looks like Anton Sugar, and then there's another alien that looks like Mike Tyson later on. Like, so they just basically take people's faces. But anyway, I thought uh, the nihilism stuff was kind of so overstated, and especially once I went from the Dark Horse translation to the fan translation, where they were they started doing those little intro haikus or whatever where it would right. be like where like the end of hope is also the end of despair like i was like let's fucking go dude amazing <laughs> as a young man i'm very anti-nihilism and i 
I do actually hate uh, artists who can't like synthesize anything out of nihilism and like suggest, you know, a better vision. Um, I'm sure that'll like fade away with time. But the thing about Gantz that I find very sweet is that it innately believes in the love between two people. And so mm-hmm. even though like Kay is this, you know, kind of unfortunate, you know, only recently realized human being and his girlfriend is just the homeliest rat in a sea of like <laughs> F cup bimbo idols. Like I can't overstate how when somebody fucking... sees her, they're like, are you 13? She's like, I'm 17. <laughs> her face is fucking annoying. Like she yeah. looks, she looks like really slow. Just yeah. the way that she's illustrated, but she's, isn't she supposed to be kind of slow? Like she's I think she her. might be a little slow. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> is she like Kay loves her with purity and unambiguity, unambiguous like truth. So right. when like they embrace at the very end, uh, it's like yeah, human beings are you know worthless specks of bacteria in you know the scheme of other creations plans but like look how much like joy and like positive experience you can get out of loving another and i found that to be very sweet it's it's that and it's also uh just the will to survive i thought that was really cool i thought like that was on some berserk type shit where Mm -hmm. it's like we are pointless nothing does matter but i'm not gonna die here i was like oh let's fucking go yeah for no reason the absurdity of just you know continuing on i thought was like really really inspiring to me well that is very human to have to be very stubborn about this thing that you kind of don't believe all that much in mm-hmm. it's like god is dead and everything's pointless and i will not die i was like why well because <laughs> they were so talking about this oh go ahead sorry oh no i was just gonna say something crass you go I want to hear that though. Oh, I was going to say I have an ugly girlfriend who uh, gives me good head. That's it. <laughs> I have a reason to live, honestly. <laughs> That's all which, you but, need. Which, I mean, ugly, ugly girls, bro. I'm ugly like, girl head, I'm sure, is like the same as like fat girl head. Like, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was, it's the same with like fat gay guy head or like, you know, unattractive, like homely gay guy head because they all have something to prove. Yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. I knew a girl once biblically who had just gotten out of a mental institution for trying to kill her sister, and and she kind of like forced herself on me. But uh-huh. I don't regret it. Why? Why would you? It sounds great. That's yeah. very yeah. gone spilled. She was very, very homely and very, very uh, strong. Strong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I was thinking because um Jack and um Jack and Sam were talking about this on the third place recently about like why does Japanese art have like so much like god killing and like you know an absence of the mm. divine and aside from it being like a pagan country it's because like uh Japan has encountered enormous like horrific mass like acts of death multiple times in the last like 70 years alone so on top of that, like with having no explicit faith system that affirms a heaven or hell beyond this and only like loose, inconsequential ties to like Buddhism, like you kind of have to kill the concept of God within you in order to find a reason to peril through the next day. 
which is why lots of people kill themselves here as well, you know, but mm-hmm. you have to kind of philosophically come to terms with your existence beyond uh, any greater significance in the Orient. And I, I find that uh, to be something that maybe um, like incidentally shows up as a prominent theme in Gaunt's. You find that in your in your life in Japan that people think that way? I think so. Um, I think people have to really come to terms with themselves a lot more. And because of that, a lot of people fail to become sparkling individuals and kind of just take the road well-traveled because, you know, they get a job and get married, reproduce, uh, contribute to society and, you know, be a part of the conglomerate and then, you know, pass away with safety. And so to really actualize yourself as yourself can be like really frightening. So that's kind of the consequence, but I do think people are more, um, they kind of have to battle for a reason to live a lot more here than in some other countries. I think America also has like a spirit of death because everyone mm-hmm. was like killing each other up until sure. like the 1920s. You know, everyone could just like go shoot their neighbor in like Oregon with my cows or like whatever. Like you have to like protect <laughs> your your land and your woman. So I guess like that kind of like survivalism kind of exists in America too, but that's more from like external threat. And Japan seems to be more from like, I'm meaningless and I have to like find a meaning for myself and and not succumb to despair mm. and and we. Hmm. I mean, interesting. It's, yeah, it's, it's this island that's been bombed the fuck out of a couple Bombed, of times. battered and oh. blown up. Yeah, like the storms uh like the fucking typhoons they just like rip up the, the fucking island the earthquakes uh fuji can just explode whenever it wants uh massive war famine it's like been through everything and uh yeah i love it people's just peril forward like the gaunts characters <laughs> and the effect <laughs> is that we have a bunch of perverted comic writers who are doing like big booby alien battle like self-actualization fascist machismo uh action art which i love hooray yeah one of my favorite lines in the whole fan translation at least is in in the catastrophe arc uh-huh. when the aliens invade and they say uh oh shit the aliens have destroyed america just america right the whole <laughs> thing the whole, uh-huh. the, they they got the whole thing and uh one one kid goes uh that's okay their movies suck ass anyway i was like let's that's go that's funny it's <laughs> cool. good stuff it's like you know who made the matrix right but... yeah, yeah i mean oku loves State. he loves american art like he fucking loves that i'm i don't i don't know where that came from he has like kind of like a vengeful anger about foreigners that like comes up every now and then mm-hmm. the um lifeless slaughtering of the black guys during the dinosaur arc i thought was funny mm-hmm. when they just get like mm-hmm. randomly just like disparaged uh and i was still reading that in japanese so i got a kick out of like reading all the the japanese and then just like the english and big block letters of the black guys talking which i thought was really funny <laughs> how how did that how does that come across in japanese because some of the fan translations of the black people speech was it was it was something. You I white boy. You I. That's that's what they wrote in the in the Japanese one. I don't know who the fuck they got to write that because I know he wasn't just putting it into a translator. He got someone to do it. He must have taken it from like movies or something. But like, uh, 
he must love American shit. I mean, he didn't. It, something is called Kill Bill in this, like fifteen volume. What is it? Oh that? yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the uh, one of the vampire, the vampire ah. chick. Gaunt's shows, you know, it nicknames everybody. It yeah. nicknames Cherry until he's, it's like, not anymore. And they're like, not anymore. What does that mean? He's like, nothing. Right. <laughs> uh, the, uh, yeah, the vampire chick, it calls her Kill Bill. She's like, that's right. The hell does that mean? <laughs> I hear a lot of people say things like trauma lives in the, like, you know, like the body keeps the score. Oh, yeah. Lady Gaga said that too. Yeah, okay. <laughs> is that she said, trauma on? is a science? Is what she said on like some oh, interview. She said right. it's science. And she oh, says cool. your body reacts because it's science. And she speaks very science. um, you know, kind of uh superiorly about it. What do you think? Is that true? Italianly. <laughs> um <laughs> No, I, was I uh, the pasta fingers. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's a science. Pasta fingers. Oh, uh, the society. Well, I just wonder about that in relation to Japan because you mentioned all the, you know, the bombs and guns mm-hmm. being so nihilistic, and it's like, is is that true? Then, you know, is Japan just a society? Because you would th- you would think if the body keeps the score, mm-hmm. that you would then have an entire society that not even a hundred years ago got blown up and i mean there are still people living who witnessed the bomb yeah exactly on some grave of the fireflies type shit yeah exactly exactly. but uh but so so do you get that vibe i okay i think that it's not something that becomes like physically part of you but i am a major believer in like the realm of the senses or like the unspoken collectivity of everyone's like feelings um that like exists like in the subterranean layer of society so you know when you have an entire culture that has been shaped and affected by the same history all of those emotional reactions result in physical behavior and corporal activity on earth so someone who witnessed uh the uh undeification of the emperor after believing him to be a holy figure and then watching your watching two cities get erased off the map, um, mm-hmm. that's going to change the way that you operate in the world and how you behave and how you raise your children. And so they'll be affected by that. Um, so I feel like it's not necessarily like the body, um, you know, keeping numbers, but it's more like the cultural storm that kind of exists uh, tied between everyone kind of like bleeds in and, and pushes out into people, uh, whether you're cognizant of it or not and i think that's why like stuff in gaunt's like kind of like even though he said he was modeling the mothership like catastrophe arc after like independence day it also does have like a distinct like end of world war ii feeling um from like the Mm -hmm. japanese perspective of like huge ominous shapes appearing in the sky that are completely incomprehensible Mm -hmm. and and totally annihilating life at a um you know unparalleled rate i can't imagine that he was intentionally doing that i feel like that's like the subterranean collectivity or whatever you want to call it like rising up and appearing in his work yeah the whole catastrophe arc started to feel very world war ii-ish even Mm -hmm. the, the concentration camps of when they're gathering up the uh 
gathering up and stripping all the people, the nudity becomes just so like just whatever. By the end, <laughs> you're just like, oh, yeah, there's a ton of naked people. I've probably seen like five million of them oh, on these dude. pages now. <laughs> yeah, dude, that was that was one of the most disturbing parts is when it's like the people who get um put into the like meat grinder, basically. Yeah. Like how they're all in the water and they're like, hey, it's probably like let's just see what happens. Let's it'll it'll probably be okay. And uh-huh. then you see their bodies come out the other end on like hooks with their throats cut or whatever, because they're just it's, food. It's fucked up. That's the most fucked up part of the whole book, I think, honestly. Yeah, like, that left a really big impression on me uh, when I got there, like in like the first year of high school. And now I have like a sensitivity towards like depictions of lots of human beings being like exterminated like animals really quickly. And I saw this one horrible anime called Blood Plus that I think about all the fucking time with like a rabbit, like picking up five different like little humans on its like fingers and then putting them into a pouch with like a tons of screaming humans and then turning its hand into like a, a drill and then turning them into like slushy and slurping them. I was like, ugh. And every time I see anything like that, I can't take it. Like that's the one thing that will like fucking freak me out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that's part of it, right? I mean, that's that's part of this whole kind of body keeping the score type thing. You know, absolutely. I mean, that's that's a that's a blood memory of you know, being led into a place and being like, mm, this might be okay. It might not be okay. And then it turns out to be very not okay. And also, uh, you know, Tay, Tay Chan, Tay Chan uh-huh. uh, gets put into a, like a fishbowl. And that was, that to me was just really funny. She's in there with like an alien rabbit and then like a dude who's also uh-huh. 14 or whatever. And he's like, Hey, you want to fuck? And then he gets like some mysterious disease and just dies, which now that we're on this kind of, uh, you know, A-bomb concentration camp kind of thing. I mean, how many times would you be in a scenario like that? I'm talking about the latter, the uh, the concentration uh-huh. camp thing. And people just like get a weird skin rash and die. And die. Yeah. You know, like that's got to be a thing, right? I'm pretty sure that's how Anne Frank died. She just like, got a weird sickness and then just expired, you know? Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. That stuff is upsetting. Uh, and, you know, obviously Japanese people didn't suffer from concentration camps. Uh, I guess, like, people in America like to call the Japanese internment camps concentration camps, but I wouldn't really stretch it that far, to be honest. But Ooh, let's go. George Takei would like to have a word with you, sir. Uh, he'd like to have a lot of words with me, I'm sure, <laughs> that little fairy. <laughs> go back to talking about fucking Star Trek, you old worn-out sock. He's like... <laughs> He's like a he's so obnoxious. I can't bear it. Asian diaspora What's the difference? is annoying, low key. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I mean, I I don't have anything I, facts. I guess I mean, yeah. What are, I don't know. Like, American like Asians that are like two generations in, like from they all like you know they lose like cultural distinction and then they overcompensate by being really unpleasant about social justice. I'm yeah, like, just fucking chill. Well, like you're half of you're... them do. The other half start saying the n word. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the other half like, like rich oh. chica. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, exactly. They be they become they basically become wiggers. It's like wigger or uh-huh. social justice. Uh, There's and a... it's really weird. There's like a gender divide in who yeah. goes which way. There is. There's a lot of Asian wiggers around here. I really like the Asian women who like model their behavior after like black women as well, which I find like. 
a fascinating archetype like what, what what's that girl's name aquafina that's just oh, yeah yeah she's a, a puzzling case study really she, she's great was she they, she was in a movie yeah she did a she movie she was in the little mermaid was she she played the bird <laughs> <laughs> but it's funny too because like chinese people when they come and like study abroad in america or when they emigrate they they don't like wait around for like their children to like you know differentiate into like social justice diva or like wigger king they just like go mm-hmm. right for it themselves and so like and uh, most chinese people like go for i'm big balling in my like low rise car with like the flashing lights like smoking weed out of my car as we're like driving up that like la highway they get there in like two days once they're here just got like a sick honda civic just tuned yeah, out exactly it, it looks so dope yeah listen no, to like I, chinese like love ballads in their car it's it's amazing like <laughs> chinese people are like are very much like americans so they kind of like click in faster but i don't i didn't mean to go off on this tangent but uh no i love racist tangents that's my favorite thing i have a lot it's of very in-depth feelings about Asian, so. <laughs> okay to be fair gons is really racist towards americans so i'm just getting my revenge yeah. right now <laughs> it really is it super is yeah. but because the americans are always there mm-hmm. we're always really dumb but we're also always really strong that's Americans true. are also like like it's like we have superpowers, but then we get killed because we're too strong and, and too then, dumb. The cows and too dumb, and yeah. then like a tiny Japanese man has to come in and clean up the mess. Uh, which you know, whatever. That's cool. That's 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 totally fine. Yeah. No, the whole the relationship that Gans has towards America. I mean, Japan has always fascinated me just with its idea of foreigners in general. Mm -hmm. It's just, there's never, it's not that if I went to go visit Japan, I would feel awkward about being a foreigner because I know nobody would be mean or whatever, but it's just one of those things where I kind of get the idea that like nobody would really like me. I got that feeling in Korea a little bit too, honestly. I think Koreans are are generally kind of like, bitter they're like get out of here like you know i mm-hmm. even when i was at the gay bars there i was just like no one is like excited that i'm here like no one is like having a ball that like little white miss america from oregon is like here to slay like no were, one gives a fuck a, but were you an ite one i was i stayed there as well yeah. about two months yeah. before the gaunt's crowd crush that occurred yeah yeah ite one was uh, cool yeah i loved ite one but um no i think the difference is that in Japan, if you learn the language and like really like you know make an effort, people people are very respectful of that, and they really um, are like touched and moved that you put effort into something that's like so different from your culture. Uh, and then in general, people who know how to conduct themselves in public, uh, th- they just get looked past. Uh, but then like rowdy people who get in the way, stand in the wrong place with their like phone, like looking for like which station they're going to um like or riding those fucking go-karts in shibuya like that stuff is is kind of like you know ambient annoyance i think for everyone those are all things that i would be doing (laughs) if i was i mean you you come here i always tell people like if you're not gonna live here you just need to go like full like you know like fat man little boy like nuclear bomb tourist and just like do the fucking stuff you want to do like Mm -hmm. what's the point of like you know 
oh, I need to be like respectful to the culture. Like, no, just like fucking blow it up. I have the best. The, where do life. they make the anime at? I'm trying to see where they make them. Yo, where do they make the anime at? I need to get some yeah. fucking hentai. Yeah, I'm trying to get some hentai, bitch. Where's some that? Hentai. Where's the May Cafe? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's Why is everybody stuff? so quiet? What's y'all? Yeah. Y'all acting weird. Y'all there is this. Weird? Uh, this guy from some <laughs> part of Africa who was like recently in Japan and was like pretending to be from Somalia and he mm. would like go onto trains and like blast like like really vulgar Japanese rap songs like licking pussy and stuff um and then he was like going onto trains and being like we won war like we're gonna bomb you again we're gonna bomb you again. We're, we're gonna fucking bomb you again. And oh. I'm just like, man, oh, that's, that's on, a pretty dude. funny bit. It's a pretty funny bit. <laughs> he was doing it for like a month here. He was just like running around fucking Tokyo and like having like streamers like jump him in the streets and stuff. Um, so I mean, wait, you... this was an African American or an African? No, not not. It appears that he is from a different part of but Africa and not from but America. It's got to be Nigerian. That sounds I, like a Nigerian to me. Oh, my God. I, <laughs> the Nigerians, man. I just. It's like the worst people in the world. That's where the N-word comes from. I, absolutely. With good reason. With good reason. <laughs> if you we, come here, you'll, you'll, you'll get a, a, a real sense of it. So We are team Uganda all the way. I like Kenya. I Kenya, oh, oh, Kenya and Uganda, though, they don't get Bro, along. They're, no. they're but they both wars. speak Swahili. Hujambo. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, uh, uh, sort sort of, sort of sidetrack, but I, I was, I was putting in a bunch of shit into Google Translate because I've been trying to make up words in like cyberpunk world and shit. Cool. And I've just been trying to see if they have any actual meaning in a bunch of them. I'll think it sounds kind of Japanese and it'll always pop up like Swahili or something. <laughs> That's <laughs> like, funny. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, actually, Jap- Japanese and Swahili have, I think, similar grammar structures. My Swahili um, instructor told me in college. Um, the easiest way to remember Japanese is that it's always consonant, vowel, and then it starts over consonant, mm-hmm. vowel, and it's never mm-hmm. anything else. Mm-hmm. So you can, if you just say, type like wakataka, uku, poku, you know, there you go. Consonant, <laughs> vowel. There we go. Yeah, no, I, uh, have you, have you, Zach, have you seen the Kenyan and Ugandan memoirs that go on? No, I'm not familiar uh should i get into this yes it's, it's a it's a good it, rabbit hole to get into okay it's like i, I just have even... the, the gaunt like human gore up on my screen mm-hmm. okay hell yeah kenya <laughs> you got you got to me more it's yeah. so good because it doesn't make any sense not to like us the me- yeah the memes would be like a ugandan when you tell them that you're going to give them four cows and it's you know some guy like <laughs> yeah i already found one that just doesn't make any sense at all uganda's umupingi umupingi versus kenya's official supreme opposition leader i don't get it <laughs> this isn't really translating for me this shit goes so hard bro it's yeah, so funny kenyan president versus ugandan and they're just exactly. like dabbing exactly dabbing the same okay all right <laughs> It shows you that the world is so big. 
The world is it so is. big. There's so so much to love. <laughs> and, and we just people who are on Twitter. Are you still on Twitter, Zach? I like really am so tired of it because it like doesn't like work currently. I mm-hmm. it doesn't provide joy. It's like it's you know it's a mess. But I need to promote my fucking show somehow because I want more money. <laughs> mm, hell yeah! No, I that's make what, more fucking money. That's like the reason I was putting up with the like you know any kind of parasocial baggage or different mm-hmm. like uh bullshit that you got it fakery whatever i was putting up with all that when i saw that only two percent of any of our revenue was coming from twitter i was like uh-huh. fuck it i'm not putting any more energy into this yeah i'm i'm tired of it i don't i don't like but recently what i've been doing is every time i don't like something i just fucking mute it or i block it and then just banish it off and i'm like I don't need to make myself miserable. Like, let me just try to like clean this up a little bit. And it seems to have helped a bit, but you have to be unwavering. And even people you like, if they say something that is pissing you off, you got to put them into the void. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. To continue liking them. I've kind of, since leaving, like when you leave, when it comes to friends, when people are like, oh, but my friends, it's like your, your friends will continue hitting you up. Like, yeah, that's exactly the case. Like, all the people I really care about talking to most, I can get them on Discord or I have their number and we'll call them or, you know, it's fine. So, Discord is great because I, I imagine there's probably people who are in a ton of different servers and it's different for them. But like, mm-hmm. I'm not in a whole lot and it's all kind of just chats. It's more like a big group text than it is yeah. like anything other social media is. Absolutely. So I, I like that, that it encourages actual conversations about shit. Mm-hmm. And everyone's kind of on the same ground. Like you don't like win points for clout or anything. Right. Why do you think that is? Because it's because the servers are owned by somebody you like, maybe? There's nobody to, there's nobody to tattle to. Yeah, because... Once servers get big enough, you know, then they like have to have like mods or whatever. And even when I had like um when I the first had like 50 people, we had some like race baiting trolls who we had to like frequently like retire into like the hey you're in timeout thing. So I can understand like once it gets like big enough, you need like people like just to, like keep it from exploding and like posting gore and stuff, but you know it's unfortunate that it has to be like that. But usually there's no one to tattle to, so it's kind of like uh, egalitarian in that way. Mm-hmm. Mm. so i'm curious what your guys's uh favorite parts of gaunts were mm-hmm. kind of talked about like favorite arcs but i'm interested in in moments uh just things that stood out to you in the manga in these 37 volumes hmm. when that nerd in osaka sees uh it was a taco right mm-hmm. not a taco that sounds a stupid. taco that's the most texas thing i've ever said yeah anyways i'm sticking with it when he sees a ta- <laughs> when he sees a taco being all heroic and shit he's like oh my god he's amazing i've got to i've got to be strong like that he like gets the god's head and they have those laser eyes that like just beam and blow shit up and he's carrying this god's head and just like blowing up other gods with it Mm -hmm. like that is that's badass yeah i think my favorite is um 
the entire volume when they're just talking to the divine entity and asking it questions. Uh, I really like information dumps like that. I find them very satisfying. Uh, I always like reminds me of um, in Twin Peaks of Return when they just explain all of the secret mysteries of Fire Walk with me like outright. I really love that kind of storytelling where they just do it and you don't have to like go through some like overwrought process about it. And I found that to be like strange and existential and challenging and mystical. So I loved that. I love the shooting arc uh, that the whole shooting really changed my life when I first encountered it. And I guess like overall, um, I just like the latent sexuality and like seeing it like both fully realized in like a lot of like Kay's like guilt with himself, but also not being critical or hateful towards him about it and letting him mature with it and turn it into something, you know, beautiful. So I like, that's, I think my, my favorite parts of the series overall. Yeah, that's good. What do you think the deal is with all the shootings? You brought this up to me months ago. Yeah. When I, was I still don't know. Gons. All of his manga has this, like, um, when you read Inuyashiki, uh, it's like there, the shooting that happens in Gaunt's, imagine that, but like 10 times worse and like 10 times longer. And then mm-hmm. also happening about five times over the course of a 13 volume manga. It's crazy. Jesus. I don't know what excites him about it, but in the same way that he gets excited by sexy uh, motorcycles and sexy big boobs and sexy black suits i think he also finds something sexy about mass death which Mm. is interesting right because that the the lib argument about mass shootings is that they exist solely because guns exist right The, the guns whisper to people and they go out and do this thing but in japan they don't have have you have you read uh fuminori nakamura's the gun no it's great it's about a guy a regular guy who finds uh-huh. a dead yakuza who's got like a 22 snub nose pistol i know about that, this as you mentioned it yeah yeah that he steals and then the rest of the book is this really it's nakamura is fantastic i think uh-huh. he's great um but the rest of the book is just him like with this and the guns kind of talking to him and saying mm-hmm. like hey maybe we should uh fucking shoot somebody and so like the gun has this mystical quality that yeah. drives you to do this kind of murderous thing, which is more in line with the American idea that the whole reason we have mass shootings is because guns. But I don't know. I feel like something like guns insinuates a, a an omnicidal libidinal force mm-hmm. that's the exact same as the titties uh, that would just make you want to just go out and fucking shoot everything and it's interesting too that it's done in blackface uh yeah there's a there's a guy who just shoe polishes his face and goes out and kills a bunch of people like there's something going on with like a kind of becoming that's happening in Uh this in this shooting that i find i think about this all the time because it's like one of the greatest like unresolved questions of like what the fuck is happening here and like all of my artistic exposure and i still frequently think about it again and it's like um I guess when you're writing this manga that's all about, like, becoming a man and, you know, extracting yourself from the kind of, like, victimized, like, lowly nothing that you've become, like, in the face of society, it's, like, that does force you to get in touch with, like, the carnal and primal elements of humanity. 
Um, but inside of that well is like something like mass carnage and death and, you know, murder. So I guess it, it is all like in one kind of thread there. But I would be surprised if Oku was aware of that while he was doing it. Mm. <laughs> I think he was just listening to his ball sack, honestly, like while writing this. So, you know, jumping week to week. And now he's like, he's just like listening. He like starts fingering his crotch. He's like, ah. Mass shooting, blackface. <laughs> <laughs> like, what if a big black dude had a big black gun? That but it's amazing because like just writing <laughs> off like his asshole and just like going for it like leads to like such like raw, uncorrupted art. Like it's so uh pure, really. It's like mm-hmm. so untampered with. And I'm really glad that he did this huge blockbuster series that goes on forever and is like clearly, you know, about probably like 15 volumes longer than it needs to be. Um, <laughs> like they could have just got to the catastrophe arc after like Kay is like uh, resurrected the second time. But um, like because he did that, he made a lot of fucking money. And now he can publish like manga that uh, a lot of manga, like the reason that they publish it is so that they can do an anime adaptation and make more money off of it. But now he's just doing like totally crazy, porned out like giant woman doing like tokusatsu fights with her big porny boobs completely Mm -hmm. revealed and Mm -hmm. it's like completely unadaptable and he gets to do that now because of stuff like this so i'm very pleased um with the direction his career has taken and i i want to see where he continues to go but it is scary do you follow him on twitter i don't follow him on twitter i will say on twitter as a (laughs) as an as a a writer i think some writers want to become authors with a capital A, which means that you, you know, every year you come out with a new thriller in a series and you do signings and, you know, you're this figure Mm -hmm. who has an aura about them. And then there are artists who like Oku have done this thing. They've spent 13 years crafting something and then they have the freedom to do whatever they want and mm-hmm. the latter is what's really interesting to me yeah. right like if there's any appeal in success at all in proving that you can be a money maker it's that you could potentially buy yourself mm-hmm. a lifetime of just making whatever weird like gigant or whatever you know exactly. which gigant uh in that in one of the interviews i read with oku they told him they're like did you know that gigant is just like it's huge in France. They love it in France. And he goes, oh, I didn't, I didn't know that. They're like, why do you think that is? He says, I don't fucking know. I don't, it's a, an enormous woman. I don't know. But that <laughs> idea, right? Of like, um, And I think something you said made something click in my head, which is really interesting, which is that if you kind of, if, if you follow this libidinal urge, for an extended period of time you can get rewarded for it Mm -hmm. and Gantz was always a huge hit right Gantz was a hit right off the bat oh yeah I think yeah I mean they adapted it into an anime like uh extremely early like Mm -hmm. really really early so they couldn't even like keep up with it because um they had to make a new ending and stuff that's like pretty famously shit but Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. And then they but did like the the TV series, like or the I mean the uh, the film, the, the live action films, like very shortly after that too. So, 
Did you like the movies? I I didn't. I watched the first one. Um, I didn't care for it. It's okay. I mean, it's a live action Japanese manga adaptation, which means it's not going to be good ever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's like a, a pretty reliably awful genre. But I do like. They did the. Ad- the they did mm-hmm. the Onion Alien really good though. Yeah, that, that was good. That opening sequence was good. Yeah, there's parts of it that I liked, um, but I really like the lead actor, Nino, uh, who's a, a Japanese Johnny's star. And Johnny's is really famous right now because the um, the BBC broke a story that everyone in Japan has already known for 30 years about him diddling all the boy idols. Uh, and uh, he's from that talent agency, and I think he's very talented and, and interesting and is a, a, a big staple in Japanese Pop culture, which is crazy to think that he was playing like the God's protagonist. Like, what the fuck? Like, that's mm-hmm. but that, that's how big it is, you know. Um, something comparable in size was Death Note, which is hugely popular here. Uh, they did the twelve volume manga out of manga, right? And then before that was even finished, they did uh two live action movies like Gaunt's, and then they did the anime after endless dramas, you know, spin-offs, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But yeah, I mean, Gonza is, uh, it really appealed to the public, and now um, it's so embedded in the culture, you can go play pachinko. You can play Gonza-themed pachinko. Why? Why do you think those things? Because, like, I'm trying to do that. I know. I'm trying I, to find the thing that hit. Like, what What about Death Note or Gonz is just, it's that that thing. Is it the titties? Is it the big, scary demon face thing? Like, I don't know. They're both about really large questions about society and then approach with a really juvenile wholehearted mm-hmm. you know fun 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 kind of like run for it like a uh, death note is fun because it's just like a chess game basically it's just as like uh it's just two people fighting you know for until l dies or whatever but gons is you know fun even though it, it takes like the uh you know kind of existential what's the worth of a human soul question it's fun because it moves so fucking fast like you can read a volume of it in like 20 minutes some of them because Mm -hmm. there's like little text on stage and it just is like satisfying crunchy bone splattering violence uh occasionally interstitial with you know questions about what does it mean to have a human heart so i feel like it just is like japanese comfort food to like do that kind of questioning of yourself while you're also just engaged in a propulsive, you know, high octane violence and action. I think, yeah, that makes sense. I've been saying lately, not really uh, knowing, yeah, I've been on some manifest destiny shit and Mm -hmm. uh, it's been working. So I've been like kind of in that mode. And a lot of what I've been thinking lately is like, I think sincerity has a big role to play and mm. shit, shit popping off in uh, America. So irony poisoned and yeah. has been for so long that like, I think like, I don't think it was ever coming from an honest place to begin with, but I think at this point, everybody's burned out on that shit. And so I think yeah. it's like, there's gonna be like an overcompensation of being genuine and that's just kind of the tip that a lot of the shit is art has always been on this is very genuine and that's why it comes across as juvenile too because it's like childish and how sincere it is yeah i think that's a really good way of thinking about it you gotta lead with your balls 
That's exactly. All you gotta do. <laughs> Just let your balls lead you where you gotta go. <laughs> I also like that Oku is a unashamed supporter of you know computers and having a staff. Oh, because you know so many artists that you see, uh, one of their claim to fame will be, well, they do it all by themselves. They draw everything. Like, you know, Satomu Nihei, like he. He did, he did the whole Blam, everything in Blam was just him. But Oku is like, yeah, I just, I have like six people who work for me and they make it all in CGI. And, and then we kind of go from there. There's a real casualness to the way he does everything. Yeah, he He's just like, wants to do it. And he, um, when he was like doing like stuff for Gigants, he like, um, they, they took like a helicopter out and did like aerial shots of like Tokyo. They took a, like a, a day where mm-hmm. they just like photograph as much as possible and then they just digitally scan it because he is about what he wants to do and he doesn't like let the banality of oh i'm an artist who has to do things this way and my product has to be 100 percent blah 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 he just like gets it done um and this is why i brought up if you followed him on twitter recently because his twitter is bananas it's absurd he's like kind of famous for being an asshole and like constantly accusing people of uh ripping him off which i kind of find like <laughs> i find cute um it is cute it's funny yeah it that's is. how we're also but i i if you've listened to agitator listeners you will know that i have people who i know who've ripped me off exactly i see that pop up in the discord everywhere people talking about like i want to read you- all the stuff that ripped you off just like to get the whole picture yeah oh it's it's a it's it it becomes really interesting because like if i say something like you know bone tomahawk ripped me off Uh it makes it makes no sense until you go back almost 20 years to when me and s craig zoller are in the exact same soup yeah and i and i and i write the thing that is exactly like bone tomahawk and then that somehow mysteriously becomes a movie anyway i'm just saying Mm. we all have that we we all we we unless you're the person who's famous then you don't care but like if you're like me you harbor that like you fucking took that from me bro that was me yeah (laughs) <laughs> so in between doing film criticism of whatever he's like, whatever trash he's seeing in the theater and like retweeting like little kitties <laughs> and then like retweeting like a little dog. Uh, then what he's really into lately is he's been doing AI generated big boob characters. So, Oh my he was, God. He hasn't just, changed. He has, no. he hasn't been affected by, <laughs> by the woke shit. No, then. he just is like, look, He's just like, <laughs> look at all of these AI girls I made today. <laughs> and then he'll, he he comes in it like, uh, like, uh, like, what kind of thing is she thinking about with this face? Like, <laughs> what kind of thing is she thinking about with this face? He just is like sitting there like, Hmm. He's no, a like, fucking, oh my the, god he just he really is just a horny retard yeah he's just uh and his <laughs> he has his wife now and it's just this like oh like kitties it's like oh look a little kitty that i've retweeted mm-hmm. and then you go like three down and it's just like oh, what is this ai bimbo i've created like thinking about right now i'm just like <laughs> <laughs> i love it <laughs> oh my god oh my god what <sighs> 
there might be some people whose um whose ability to feel shame is broken mm. that might be part of it i think um, he's you know famously a pervert like you know he mm. made his career writing gaunts which is like you can't read it without knowing that the guy behind it is you know horny as all get up and so mm-hmm. you know he made his success doing that and he said okay well here's what i do and here's who i am thank you <laughs> that'd be really cool if like being a pervert was a sexuality like an lgbt mm, yeah you're just like no, yeah p i'm just a fucking pervert but you gotta be careful it's... with that p yeah <laughs> you know what they're gonna want to say because he'll <laughs> talking about um like we were earlier about putting famous people's faces on stuff. He just, Mm -hmm. he makes the Angelina Jolie Tomb Raider a character in Gaunts. Yeah. Who immediately fucks the protagonist for no reason. She just says, hey, it's about as simple as she says, hey, do you want to fuck? And he's like, I mean, I guess. And then they fuck. Awesome. Awesome. I think it's great. I think it's just That should just be in everything. (laughs) I wish every author and artist had like the same amount of uh, audacity to be so flagrantly like honest about their penis. He's just like slapping his dick onto the table and being like, look at it. And that's Mm -hmm. what Gantz is for 37 Mm -hmm. volumes. There's a, a, to bring, not to talk too much about Altered Carbon, but I'm thinking about how this kind of art works in, Mm -hmm. um, 2023 where uh altered carbon has a a lot of on goodreads it has a three-star average because it's website yeah because it's misogynist (laughs) right and the misogyny of altered carbon comes from these sex scenes where the the protagonist who's male is constantly noticing women's boobs and you know the first sex scene is a 69 and he, you know, he busts in her mouth. It's all, it's, it's very graphic, right? Surprisingly graphic for a sci-fi book, book mm-hmm. or whatever. But Goodreads is full of these, uh, you know, women named Taylor or something oh, like that who, you know, have button-up shirts and, you know, the glamour shot by- Red a, lipstick. Yeah, by a koi <laughs> pond, right? They're always by yeah. a koi pond or something like that. And they're like, this book is so misogynistic. <laughs> I was so tired of hearing about this guy noticing chicks' boobs and-, and it's just it's all pussy 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 and so i guess in 2023 you just kind of have to do it anyway and just be ready for it just be ready for the backlash but what do they what do they hate so much about that that's that's what my question is people are afraid of sex because sex is vulnerable and violent and it's um one of the few locations where irony is almost completely impossible and you cannot create social armor around yourself to protect yourself from pain because sex brings you so close to the other person's ego you are deeply exposed for all of the things that you can conceal through polite society so um young women and men as well these days are very afraid of being hurt that way so they decide to morally shit on uh sexuality as a way of further concealing uh what makes them vulnerable so sex is like the the knife that they fear because they know that once the clothes are off and they're revealed for who they are that uh they are 
uh, capable of great pain. So I think people are very afraid of being hurt and don't have the strength to overcome that. What you said, you just said a total banger. Line. You just whipped that out your dick too. Like know, that was just yeah. like, that, that first of all, all poetically all was, articulated. Yeah, all of that was incredible. But in particular, when you said, you know, sex is the one place, you know, the irony can't live. You can't, there's mm-hmm. no irony in sex. That's so true in Gaunt's. Mm-hmm. None of the pinups are ironic. It's not supposed no. to be funny. It's supposed to be here's a hot chick before you start the start the show check it out cool right thanks <laughs> <laughs> i love looking at them i don't know the way he draws breasts is enticing i'm not aroused personally but i look at them and i'm like that is a satisfying like shape and it isn't pleasant to look at and it's not cruel or evil either it is it's completely unironic and wholesome and pure i don't know even as a straight dude i don't know how satisfying bodies like that would be to fuck to be honest i can't imagine it would be like fucking like a pillow made out of marshmallows (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. it's it's not a it's it's very much uh have you read uh database animals no this is another one i'm gonna have to add to add to add can you hear me okay I can hear you one sec. Okay, should be good. Yeah, so it's called Database Animals. Yeah, yeah. Okay. By uh, Azuma, I can't remember his first name. Sure, sure. There was this uh, really, fu- there's a book called Beautiful Fighting Girls and also Database Animals that were kind uh-huh. of in conflict with each other in Japan in the mm-hmm. uh, mid-90s, maybe into the late, early 2000s. Um, and it was trying to figure out like what otaku sexuality actually was. Uh. So Saito was a guy who thought that uh that otaku did have a sexuality and that it was it was a queer sexuality Mm. and it was and it was based upon what he called the beautiful fighting girl or the phallic girl like the Uh sailor moon you know like the the chick who's basically a dude and azuma in database animals said no otaku have no sexuality at all they're purely creatures of of data right they're database animals and they're collecting these sort of uh you know totems when they ingest manga or anime whether mm-hmm. that's cat ears or big tits or whatever um but i think that gans to me is really kind of a tick in the database animal category right uh-huh. because it's not hot but it's it's like you said it's it's stuff that just kind of looks cool there's no mm-hmm. real sexuality behind most of the things in gans outside of like damn that should go crazy. Yeah, it's weird because I feel like there. It's really interesting hearing about uh, that book you were just telling me, and I always think about like how the '90s was this time where like the otaku had to be kind of like reconfigured as a cultural figure because of like the um, otaku like serial killer, the guy who had like two thousand like VHS tapes in his room and was like you know killing little girls for a while. And that like left a sour taste in like the public's opinion of otaku for a long time um and it is very affirming to me that despite that like moral panic we we are still able to get back to stuff um like gaunts like relatively quickly you know like less than 15 years later and uh for it to have you know that kind of ardent sexuality but like at the same time 
this sort of uh like neutral unactivated state of it does that make sense like mm-hmm. this is it's not like trying to like get you to jerk off to it you know that that motivation isn't there clearly wait you guys didn't jerk off to this no i did not get horny reading gaunts <laughs> me neither I did when I was in middle school, though. I think I jerked off to the scene of Kay and the first girl with the red hair. What's her name? The uh, the first big titty one. Gaunt's calls her titties. I forget. Yeah. Is it Ray? <laughs> was it Ray? Or, uh, we know who we're talking about. The one who yeah. gets fucking vivisected down the... Yeah. yeah. She gets fucking killed, and then they never resurrect that dumb bitch. <laughs> they said, Whatever. <laughs> Yeah, I think I jerked off to them fucking in the anime when I was, like, 13, maybe? I might have done that, but that was a long time ago. Yeah, same. But I not thought Corona was kind of hot when I was in middle school for some reason. <laughs> there was this one time I was, because uh, I was always looking for anime to beat off to. Uh-huh. Uh, and I was in Hollywood video, and I came, I, I was looking, and I was trying to find, it was a sweet spot. You had to find stuff that your mom wouldn't think was porn, porn. Yeah. You know? So Wicked City got that. And then uh, Biohazard was another one. It was uh-huh. the same people who made Bio, uh, uh, Wicked City. And then I saw this one called Kimura, right? So mm. Kimura was a movie. Like I looked at the box and there was like a girl on the box. And I was like, Hmm. And it, on the back, it said, you know, like for mature audiences, because, you know, it had the whole thing. I was like, OK, I'm going to get this one. Yeah, yeah. So I got it checked out and I got it home. Well, it turns out Kimura is. Uh, this was in like 1999 or 2000 or something like yeah. that. Right. So this like the Internet didn't exist. Right. This this was the sole focus of jacking off was like finding things that you could uh-huh. do that too so i get it home and Kimura is about an alien who comes to earth and fucks dudes but is also kind of a dude actually <laughs> you got a, you got a gay one it was a gay one but it was like a trap right this was the first oh. trap experience of my life i was like yeah. 12 years old because i got this video home and it's like oh shit she doesn't have titties. She has like a torso, like a dude. And she's like fucking truckers and stuff like that. But then she kills them. It's like species, kind of that kind of thing. Does she have a pussy? I don't remember. Okay. But what I what I do remember is that I was like, well, I'm here. So <laughs> I Googled Kimura gay alien anime. And one of the first yeah. things that comes up is George Takei. <laughs> 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 there he is. <laughs> Wait, it's called Kimura. Kimura, yeah. K I M E R A is how I remember. Ah, yeah. Kimera. Okay, let's Kimera. see. Oh, okay. Uh, I gotta find this. Oh yeah, she's doing the like disco piece thing on the country. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I love this. Uh, so that was that was David's. Okay, androgynous. It's it's a dude, but again, we fell into the same trap. I saw this. You saw this? (laughs) Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I had the same weird feelings. I think this is like literally the definition of a trap. Yeah, it got me. 
Oh, wow. And it was in America. It was in America. Of all the things to come With to America. With an English dub. What the yeah, hell? We have like Gundam and Dragon Ball and then this. And, and it's like, funny <laughs> because you actually didn't even have Gundam until like four years like before you watched this. Because Gundam was yeah. like, was a no-go. They're like, this is too complicated. And then they were like, oh, they finally made a retarded Gundam when they did Gundam mm-hmm. Wing. And they're like all right, we can put that one on fucking TV and someone will probably get it. And it was still mm-hmm. too complicated and Gundam <laughs> never became popular in America. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You two yeah, need to do a Gundam dive eventually. That, we do. That's going to be, it's brutal and it would eat up like six months to even get to the, if you want to get to Char's Counterattack, which is what Ano Hideaki describes as one of the best animated films of all time, he's right. Uh, you have to watch uh, all of the original, then you had to watch all of Zeta, and then you had to watch double Zeta as well. So that's like 150 episodes, and a lot of it is shit, but it's worth it. <laughs> <laughs> you have to slog through it to get to the gold. You I had fucking, to slog through double Zeta. I loved Gundam. And yeah. I, could dev- I, I thought, like, this has to be the coolest shit, and none of my friends would, they were never really that into it. No, Gundam is something that I get a lot of shit for now. Like, I told this guy I'm fucking, I was like, He's like, oh, yeah, like, you're a white American in Japan. You definitely like some anime. And I was like, yes. So, like, I'm like, the ones, (laughs) I'm like, I like all the weird, like, Kageki, like, extreme ones. I'm like, Eva, Madoka. uh, And then I'm like, and secretly, I'm, like, really into Gundam. And he's like, I've never met a gay guy who likes Gundam ever. (laughs) I guess it doesn't appeal. I don't know why there's like cunty women who like have like psychic powers and like cry and like kill themselves and like like cunty wrote i mean it feels lgbt like it's kind of gay yeah but it's got some gay shit i think it's like i mean in the original (laughs) series like the main arc is like a very romantic uh, hatred between the antagonist and the protagonist so so what's what's the relationship I guess between uh, how do uh-huh. I put this um, gayness and gay appeal and like and 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 theater because oh. what you're saying about this is like and of course like a lot of gay like I've seen RuPaul uh-huh. my wife loves RuPaul and they all love musicals and theater right. and this kind of shit what's what's going on with that. I know the answer to this, actually. It's it's really simple. It's because gay men feel like they have these monstrous, like, female, like, unbelievably powerful and potent, like, emotions about things. Because when you love men, uh, you know, that engenders a lot of strife and conflict. And it's really, like, a, a major experience. That's why Lana Del Rey is, like, so right. is because she writes about, you know, loving a man in these, like, huge, spectacular, overblown terms. And gay men feel that way, but they cannot express that, you know, because of male socialization. And so it comes across when they do kind of reach to express their grandiosity of feeling, it comes across as somewhat ironic. And so theater Mm -hmm. is the perfect place to do that because theater has a very clear understanding of the audience. It has a layer of performance. So it already has like that kind of artful irony about it. And then it also has the overblown exaggerated feelings that gay men privately experience uh, literally staged as performance uh 
in the most like I mean, there's nothing more ridiculous than bursting out into song. So like it it hits all of the emotional identification notes correctly. I mean, you just have to look at like um the cabaret Liza Minnelli doing maybe this time where she's like, you know, no one ever loves me. I fail in love every time, but this is gonna be the time I'm gonna win. And it's just like her in a black room. And of course, like meanwhile, like, you know, the Holocaust is about to start in the background of that musical so <laughs> you both would love cabaret like literally it has like a, a like a song where they're all like praising like hitler like doing you know the what's that called what's it the Heil. yeah the they're Heil. doing like the Heil, like singing about the purity of the white race and then the next scene is like liza Minnelli like doing jazz hands like not realizing that she's about <laughs> to get shipped the fuck off to dock so <laughs> Yeah, but you know, you see kind of where that all kind of fits together. I do, well, I do. I do. Are you saying that it's because there's the layer of performance and irony that that mirrors a gay person's ex- a gay man's experience yeah. being gay? There's so. definitely that because it's kind of like there's a really great uh, theory that I read in a book called How to Be Gay by David M. Halperin. It's one of my favorite books. And he says that one of the most critical like artistic representations that exists is the quote performance of suffering unquote so it's like uh female images that are like acting out deep hurt and pain um Mm -hmm. but because it's so like performative and overstated if you think of something like mommy dearest for instance like it's so overblown that it kind of becomes a camp or irony but that performance is uh it, it correctly understands like the the irony of like gay male pain where like they know that their situation is ridiculous like oh my god um i have been either like genetically or um like conditionally brought up and now i accidentally like the same sex like it's kind of funny like <laughs> it's like something has gone really wrong here and like now i am like a man who has like powering female feelings for other men like we kind of know it's funny if you're like <laughs> like artistically minded enough so that's like, like guns that. too it's like you got hit by a train but um but that's where you are yeah. now <laughs> <laughs> you're a bunch of black guys in vacation in tokyo but i'm <laughs> like <laughs> uh-oh <laughs> is guns is guns isn't campy though i wouldn't call um, it no I don't think Gaunt's is, is very camp. I, I wouldn't is, describe is it that way. Is camp just a gay thing? Can straight no. people be campy? Stra- straight people Same are almost me. exclusively... You can't be, like... Camp is really hard for straight people because it's, like... And for gay people lately. People like to call everything camp. It's not the case. Camp is, like, a really specific sensation of, like, uh, a very earnest uh, depiction of extraordinary like sentimentality and feeling that's like way over the top that misses the mark and kind of fails and because it fails it becomes somehow more realistic as so it's like it's like new metal i guess you could call some new metal camp when it fails but sometimes new metal is like quite like real and convincing don't you think sometimes but i think i might like the camp elements of it i've been yeah i've been sincerely not not i don't listen to anything ironically because who has the time right but i've been listening to papa roach recently ah i would say papa roach is probably campy right i mean 
it's this it's is my ex- last resort exactly exactly <laughs> my wife and i got into it because we, we watched them live we went to the big new metal festival oh, that's we saw great. Them live and we were like this guy's this is great this is actually really good mm. um so yeah i think it just reminds me of like how new metal lyrics are always very uh they're not poetic you know, mm. it's not it's not poetry. It's like I'm sad. I'm gonna cut my wrists. Uh, yeah, somebody left me. Life is pointless. Whatever. Big emotions. Gaunt actually is like mm-hmm. that too. Like yeah, the, the haikus before everything. It's you know, the world is ending. So exist in despair because that's all you have mm-hmm. uh, for the rest of time. That's a little cool. Campy. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> But I think you can rest assured that camp is kind of an outdated concept at the moment. And you don't need to worry too much about it. Oh, okay, cool. I was. I think it's been a little over discussed. So, has it? Yeah, I think it's. I think I don't need to hear gay people say camp again for probably like ten years or so. I think it, we'd all be okay without it. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. it's like low. It's like low form, and now it's like it's easy to apply camp to like. Because everything fails now. Everything can be like a little campy. And that's, it's good when you are reinterpreting things correctly. But if you're like just uh, lifelessly watching like Wednesday on Netflix and being like, that's camp. Haha, it's just kind of depressing. <laughs> it's like a fail safe for when something sucks. Exactly. Like, no, you don't get it. It's camp. It's like, this it's is actually... new baby. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this little phoenix. Oh my god, look at those big lovely eyes. Ah! <laughs> <gasps> oh my goodness. Ah! It, the tongue came out. The tongue oh. came out. <laughs> oh, this baby is a real winner. Oh yeah. Oh my god. He's He's so good too. He's he always He looks like he's really really interested in what's going on. These eyes stay like that too. He has really? the most enormous eyes. Yeah. Those eyes are fucking huge. Hey. You are yeah. gonna be a cute motherfucker. Oh my god. <gasps> he has oh, like baby. his I, I imagine eyes probably grow. I, I think. Like I think your eyes stay the same size forever, mm-hmm. actually. Do they, they do? <gasps> oh, okay. Yeah, he, he has a little noise. <laughs> you gonna say something? Can you say something? Can you say hi? Hey, baby. <laughs> That's a good one. I'll take it. <laughs> uh, lately, I want to get shotgun married like as soon as possible and then have a baby tomorrow. Like I I want to really just run right for it, even though I'm like on the brink of unemployment and like listless in life. But I want I want to get married and I want a baby too. <laughs> Is that camp? If I fail. Yeah, only if you fail. <laughs> only if you fail. How would you yeah. do that? How would how would you would you find a surrogate? Um, the guy who I want to marry, which is a really crazy thing to say because I've only known him for like two and a half months. But you can't ask a gay guy how he's gonna have a baby, you homophobe. I don't care. He's rich. <laughs> if he wants to pay for a baby, people are like, it's evil, it's dark and twisted, it's Sick to use women like that. I'm like, I don't fucking care. <laughs> Who baby. Who Get that Cambodian cares? bitch in here and fucking yeah, be mad. Have squirt one out. Be mad. <laughs> be mad about my baby. Like, be fucking mad about it. I will adopt whatever. I don't fucking care. You you can't do that in this country though. So I'm gonna have to go back to America and pick up some Asian kid there. 
<laughs> bro get a black one and bring it back that'll be oh, really funny god that poor black baby <laughs> can you imagine getting like brought up by like a white expat faggot and a Japanese faggot, and and you're like, Mark, and you're, and you're like fucking Michael Clark Duncan. Yeah, and you're like a black baby, like going to school in Japan. You're like, oh, oh my god. You have to have like the high school uniform in elementary school. Like... <laughs> no, don't oh, worry. He looks That's like not he's, you. he's gonna be your best friend. Oh yeah. He's he's a he's a mama's boy, but he oh is he? He likes me. Oh, that's <laughs> the one that looks like you too. His other son looks like his mom. Oh yeah, this kid doesn't look Mexican at all. This is a straight up white boy. It's a white baby. Yeah, it's <laughs> a white baby if I ever seen one. We uh, she had a C-section, and uh. they, you know, they're on the other side of the curtain, and they go, oh, that little redheaded baby. And we, my wife and I look at each other and we're like, I know they're not talking about another kid while they're here, like cutting you open. Uh-huh. And then they hold him up and I'm like, we have a redheaded kid. Where'd this come from? That's crazy. Yeah. I was C-section too. So I, uh, well, you could turn out like me. So that could be something. <laughs> you could be so popular. Yeah. You could be so popular. Oh. <laughs> wow. Oh, that's, that's so funny. <laughs> yeah. Oh. that is magical <laughs> where did you meet this guy this guy the mm-hmm. uh one i'm obsessed with and want to marry tomorrow mm-hmm. uh, i met him on an app but then he recognized me in public and, and stopped me in the street uh near harajuku mm-hmm. what does he do he is a professional classical pianist oh wow does he come from money or does he make the money from the oh, piano? Uh, no, he comes from money and he makes money from the piano. That's that's pretty cool. I don't I've never I've never been um, self-conscious of my class in my entire life. This would be the first time. So mm-hmm. before I'm just like, whatever, like, who cares? Money who gives a shit. And now I'm like, is he not going to marry me because I'm poor? <laughs> <laughs> That's cool though. You feeling a little I'm Jack bit Dawson, like, it's okay. You feeling a little bit like Tay. I don't feel as retarded as her. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I feel like I look a little better than her. At least I hope so. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to look there's a, a quote in Vox Lux, which is one of my favorite movies, and Natalie Portman plays this like manic pop star and she's insulting her sister, and she goes, are you a retard? Like in a heavy New Jersey accent. And then she says, because sometimes your jaw slacks in a way that looks like life just kind of happening to you. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that's how fucking Ty looks in, uh, in jaws. <laughs> your jaw slack when life's just happening to you. That's good. It's, it's a good way to be, though. It's a good way to be. Yeah. You can find a, you can find a pianist and just have your jaw go slack. No, but he doesn't want my jack to be slack. What? My jaw to be slack. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> He's like, I've only dated artists my entire life. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well, I have an art podcast. So whoop-de-doo. Well, there we go. I've That's published cool. two short stories and have no novel to my name. So just you wait. I'm going to be a star. How's your novel going? Um... I decided to start over uh, with a kind of different approach to it. It's going okay, but 
I don't. I don't. Uh, I just need to finish it and stop being so critical. Because what's the what's the concept of the book? Um, it's really similar to kind of what I was talking about earlier about how I think there's like a subterranean world of feelings that occasionally spikes up into the real world. So it's about uh the demon of beauty in Tokyo and uh, one person dealing with it. So it's kind of like supernatural, but not really dealing with it in what way? Uh, as in like it, it's kind of like Murakami Ryu, like you know, in the way that it's like there's this uh entity that is uh massacring people uh and uh he is the the protagonist is directly engaged with that with that figure like in the miso soup kind of thing like he's yeah it's like it's similar to that but it's obviously the gay sex stuff so Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. is the demon uh is it scary so like a death note kind of thing or no it's like the human conception of like beauty like as a so it's like scary in a menacing way but it is like very uh aesthetically appealing why'd you start over um i've been writing and working on like the angle for this like for probably like three years and i like i was having a lot of trouble getting like a structure that makes sense so the first time i i made a lot of progress on it it was much too like scene 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 like formalized and so then I was like, let me try like writing this in first person and see if that does anything. So I left that draft and then tried it again in first person. And that was a huge mistake. And I'm not a first person uh, writer. And so now I know exactly how it goes. And I know exactly the rhythm and like the sense of structure for it. And it's coming together faster now. What is the structure? Uh, it, it the, It's broken down into much shorter passages. Before it was like really, really long chapters of like lots mm-hmm. of things happening. And now it's like a lot closer to like several page scenes or like really brief scenes that like happen and then it cuts to the next one. And it's a lot more like, I think sensual and more like, uh, like feeling and less narrative, which is I think working very well. Where did the idea come from? I have thought about this for a long time. Uh, I think I was pretty influenced by the Twin Peaks of like a a manifestation of evil, you know, existing in the Mm -hmm. world. Mm -hmm. And so I was like thinking about the stuff that I struggle with the most in my life. And it would be like probably like manifestations of like, uh, you know, lust and beauty. And so I wanted to write something that reflected how I feel living in this country and being like confronted by it every day and like come to the conclusion about like how one copes uh, with that as a part of their everyday life being assailed by uh inaccessible beauty that's just overwhelming in its uh power over me if that makes sense how how does one cope i think you either have to submit to being completely destroyed by it or you have to destroy it yourself mm, mass shooting mass or shooting. draw or draw big titties yeah or mishima yukio you know so mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. like uh yeah, you you either have to be tamed by it or tame it, or to be killed by it or kill it. And uh, you say I, that a lot. You you say that on Twitter. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but like, but you you say that a lot on Twitter about how you'll see men who are so beautiful that you yeah. want to just like fucking kill yourself right there all, all the time. What's up with that? What's up with that? <laughs> I mean, this is a good question. <laughs> have you seen in the realm of the senses? No. 
Oh man, it's amazing. It's uh, an Oshima film, uh, very pornographic. And uh, it's about a, it's it's adapted from a true story of a uh, geisha, I think in like 1920s Japan. Um, and uh, she falls deeply in love with a young man and they have three weeks where they completely isolate themselves from the rest of the world and just have like the most intense sex ever where they like completely dissolve into each other basically and uh she starts like a like kind of uh playfully torturing him like gagging him choking him Mm -hmm. and it ends with her castrating him and taking his penis and putting it in her in her kimono and like wandering around for you know a few weeks before she's arrested she's a real woman and that really happened but like i feel like um when I see people that are like so like, you know beautiful and inaccessible to me, it's like so overwhelming. It's like that this is a real corporeal thing in front of me that I'll never be able to like do anything with. So right, right. just to like be destroyed in the moment by that would be satisfying for me. So to I would like to overcome some, that, but <laughs> to give you some relief from that feeling or uh-huh. Okay. All right. No, no, I just, I think that would be like a a perfect way to like artistically create my life is if it, if it ended, uh, you know, in the hands of of someone who I I found it, you know, perfect, you know, isn't that lovely? So creation with the end in mind. Exactly. Some kind of end in mind. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm too practical and I like, I'm like too, I like life too much to like actually do anything like that. Not that there would be anyone who would go along with that either. That's like insane. But, you know, it's uh, it's completely, you know, in the dream world. But it does motivate me. That's true. Is this like what people mean when they say like, oh, I wish that bitch would step on me or something like that? Is that? I think most of the time those people are being ironic. Like, I don't I don't really know what that's all about, to be honest. Okay. Okay. But you you mean like if you actually just exploded? Yeah, I mean, my ideal way to die would be ever, all of the most like beautiful men I've ever seen would uh, take me up to a rocky coastline on a bright like 4 p.m. afternoon overlooking the ocean, and they would each stab me with a lance so that my body is like a little bit extended off the ground, and then I would slowly beat out or beat out, bleed out, looking at the sun as I slowly die. (laughs) Or beat out, whichever one. Or beat out, you know, whatever. Either way is fine. That's so interesting. Have you ever watched a show called Hannibal? Uh, No, I know what it's about, though. Yeah. This, you might really like this show, actually. Uh I, it was so funny. I, my wife and I have been watching it. We're on season three. Mm -hmm. And I was looking for a particular image because it's a very, uh, interesting visual show yeah and uh i was looking for this image and google took me to like the the very first thing was a forbes uh kind of like uh episode recap Mm -hmm. of it and it was written by in 2015 a young adam lair was writing the recaps for these episodes that's funny it's adam right i was i was super excited to see him there but it's uh and of course you know he loves it because it's actually this very uh dark surreal um very visually interesting Mm -hmm. show about 
you know, these two guys, uh, Hannibal Lecter and Will Graham, who's the kind of FBI guy who's investigating him. And they're very obviously in love with each other. But like the show got canceled. And one of the reasons I think it did is because it it's trying to express to the viewer this weird uh, wanting to kill the person who you love, but also kind of wanting them to eat you. Mm-hmm. and how the characters go back and forth between that and the show doesn't make any concessions on yeah. that initial conceit it's like no he he wants to kill him but he also kind of wants him to kill him that's very up adam's time. adam's uh modus operandi because he also loves uh nicholas winding ruffin the director who mm-hmm. i really like too and um he he did the Neon Demon, which is, of course, about people being so beautiful that you have to eat them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, no, it's it's like a real thing. But, I'm, you know, I'm kind of glad that uh, my really manic tweets about, like, looking at men on the train, like, wanting to, like, pop, you know. <laughs> I'm yeah. glad that there's, like, questions about it because I was wondering if, uh, you know, what I'm writing about is too trite. Well, it's, so. it's, well no, it's, it, I mean, it's what your whole book is is about, yeah. right? I mean, and I think that. I think that's really interesting as a as a conceit and as a as a guiding force for the book. Um, and as soon as we get, I mean, you might have noticed that as we got talking about your book, I got mm-hmm. super, <laughs> which is why like Kelby and I are thinking about like shifting this towards more of a writing style podcast uh-huh. instead of you know focusing on media because I don't know I'm just I'm really interested in in it's what I do for a living. Right. Yeah. Like I help I help people with their books. And uh I'm interested in I guess whenever I hear people say that, you know, like I I threw something out, that's always very interesting to me because I'm more curious in that than in, you know, oh, I just finished another book and it's Mm -hmm. the exact thing that I wanted it to be. Yeah. But when people say I threw it out, they fall into two camps. There's the camp that you're in, I think, where you're Uh looking for something. And trying to make something that's true to your idealized vision of it. And then there are people who just kind of shouldn't write. Probably. Well, I mean, I envy the people who could just like auto-produce things. Uh, like, I mean, I sometimes wish I was James Patterson and could just, you know, you know, go into some like weird uh like hypertension state and just like come to and there's like a weird book about like angels or something in front of me. Like that sounds nice. I'd be happy if that was the case, but I think I'm a little overly belabored with uh, self-consciousness. So I'm trying to move past that, but you know, you don't with, strike me as self-conscious at all. Just about my writing. Honestly, that's like, that's it. I'm a very confident person, but you know, I've, you know, finished a few drafts of things before and uh, hate them, burn them worthless. Have you, and have I, you asked anybody else to look at them? Uh, one of them, I would never, ever, I have a printed copy in my room right now that I finished, I think, uh, five years ago or so. I will never let anyone touch that. I hate it. Show it to me. Let me see. Oh, absolutely not. It's awful. Why not? Well, I'll go show it to you, but it's really, really wretched. No, no, I (laughs) will. We're getting somewhere. I'm a breakthrough. I feel a real kinship to this. This is exactly me. And it's not from a place of self-consciousness either. It's just like that. I think it's that sincere. Okay, here I am. 
to the here, vision. Here's a big printed fucking copy of Video Forest. It's a novel in three parts, and it is a shit show. Send it to me. I'll pay the shipping. I don't know if I'll send you this copy because I like it as a... I could probably find the file for it, but... No, I'm really displeased with this because I actually like the... Oops. I like the main idea of it, and I've thought about revisiting it in a different way, but uh, it's very juvenile. I wrote it when I was 22. I think politically it's really stupid in what I wrote first, about. My first novel was published when I was 23. Oh, yo, so was Mishima's. I mean, there's something there, dude. I mean, I mean, there's so, something in here, but I mean, you you just you just called it juvenile. We've just got done talking about how Gantz is juvenile, but it's yeah. also awesome, right? I mean, so I'm very, I'm, dude. I'm so interested in just like this. Uh, people can talk about mm-hmm. other people's art in such a way, and then when it's them, they're like, "Oh no," but I I I can't. But I have a feeling. I have a feeling there's some gold in that. In what you're looking through right now, you're looking at it with disdain. But I'm not. I'll give it a try. <laughs> I haven't read it in like two years. Um, I think it's kind of boring as well okay. in the middle part. So it's probably a little long. I mean, it's double spaced, like uh, Times New Roman twelve. It's three hundred forty six pages. It's not bad. No, it's, it's pretty regular. I think what you need is is other people to read it. Yeah, I tell you about it. To be honest, I, I just think thematically, like, have different thoughts now. Like, I would, I would write this in a different way. So, I would be happy to like try it, writing it again. But there's a, a few fundamental things about it that I wish I had done differently. Like, mm-hmm. the protagonist's job is not correct. Um, What's wrong with the job? He should be a painter and not a video artist. Okay. So that's one thing. So that's These are thing. all, this is shit that I get. I feel a kindred <laughs> like spirit here. This is all the kind of shit I get hung up on. Like, and David's always like, I came up with this character's name and this is what they do. And this is their background. And I've written a yeah. chapter and I'm like, what the fuck, bro? Like, I have, I have edited 350 novels now uh-huh. in my life. So I, it's, it's all just, I'm like the Gans, uh, the room of truth. It's all yeah. data, you know. <laughs> like, I would be kind da- of horrified for you to read this because I think it's also like, I think stylized. Like the style is like it's really rough. I like, I don't really agree with what the book says anymore either. Like, I just I don't I don't think it's true. And I well, think then I you wrote can it. Translate it. Just you're yeah. Now now you're a translator. Now you're somebody who's found an uh-huh. artifact that you are now going like that's what reading is mm-hmm. that's what finding books are it's it's you don't read a book if if you read a book and you need it to be you then you're a libtard right right so that holds true for you too mm-hmm. like oh cool i found a version uh, i found 22 year old zach's book let's see yeah. i'm not i'm not saying that this book needs to come out in two weeks and you know and be a thing right mm-hmm. i'm just saying that uh there's value in mm. going back through it with a friend and finding what works and finding what doesn't work. Yeah. I would maybe do one more draft of this before I let anyone read it. I think like, <laughs> I feel like it just, <laughs> it needs to be a little closer to something legible first, but like, uh, 
There's always something. There's, oh. I know there's something in here. The main idea is interesting. Yeah. And it has a really good scene that goes on for like 10 pages of uh, someone cutting up a body that I was pretty impressed with. I remember crying when I was writing it as well. That's the alchemy, though. One I of the things really I believe about protagonist. So, one of the things I believe about writing is that um, is that it is alchemy, and uh-huh. so what whatever you feel when you wrote it will come through. Yeah, in the book. So, if there was a scene that was making you cry when you wrote it, mm-hmm. when people read my first book. I was really bad into drugs and I was very lonely. Um, and it's, it's set in a, in a gulag in Siberia. Yeah. And people say like, Oh, and you can actually see this on Goodreads. People are like, when I read this, I felt very cold. Oh I was like, yeah. Yeah. Cause I was, yeah, that's where I was at when I, when I wrote the book. So anyway, if you were crying, that means there's something, there's something there. This is my uh, this is my new favorite role is like the semi superior scoldy uh, you know figure who's like you need to put that book out boy you need to put that book out into the world yeah I want to get this is the year I'm gonna finish something I can't go any longer because I need to impress mm-hmm. that fucking pianist for one and also yeah because... have a novel have a novel out I know Simon and Schuster that's slated for 2027 at this Listen, I'm a fucking gay crossdresser like I'll just like pretend to be a little trans give me my fucking deal be soup dude we talked about this recently like yeah if, if you can pull off trans a little bit which I mean obviously you can mm-hmm. just say that's that you're that you're trans yeah, I'm just no. gonna like put the wig on and be like, mm, like, be I'm trans, g- adopt a black baby. You're yeah, in. I'm, in. <laughs> I'm a gender non-conforming, low wage immigrant. Okay, like, what's his podcast about? Like, don't don't look at the don't listen. No, to that. you don't have to. No, 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 no. That's fine. Don't think <laughs> about that. It just it's, it's all right. It's all all behind a paywall. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. It's it's really expensive. You you, you yeah. Don't, don't. It's fine. Don't worry about it. I'd be it. so embarrassed if you listen to you know my little podcast. Yeah. No, no. I'll I'll take a reread of this. I, I Are read you seeing a few anything sentences. that you like? I read a few read, sentences. Read me, that didn't... read me some sentences. Read read me something from the book. That's that's intense. Um, okay, but she made the turn across the bridge. The burnt remains in the cabin next door were invisible in the onslaught of snow. What she could see as she pulled into the driveway was her husband's truck. When she went inside, sheltering herself from the oppressive nothing of the world exterior to her home, she found her son standing at the top of the stairs looking down at her. His face had nothing on it but the shadow of her husband as he walked into the bedroom and closed the door. End, end chapter. The fuck? What's wrong with that? That's, That's great. That's fine that's all right that's that's it's great no it's great it's got the melodrama but most importantly and this Uh is the hardest thing i think when i deal with clients is that there's a rhythm of writing that's really hard to teach that people don't understand like for example i can't dance and i no amount of dancing classes will teach me how to dance i I just can't do it and i think that's the same for writing but you've Mm -hmm. i mean you've got the rhythm yeah exactly yeah, interesting. Oh, I forgot he finds a gun. Oh, let's go. I actually forgot about most of the plot of this, so I should probably reread this today. 
this is what we're here for, folks. Well, thank you very much. This Gaunt's podcast turned into a <laughs> let's reappraise video for us, a novel in three parts. <laughs> let's go. I'm one. No, I appreciate it. No, it's very sweet. I think looking at this will give me some motivation. So cool. All right. Any oh, final yeah. thoughts on Gaunt's before we wrap up? All things should be more like Gaunt's. Oku is a genius. Uh, everyone should read this uh, like slow motion over time. Just like take a year and like read it slowly at your own pace and you know it'll it'll liven you up and give you a lot of uh hope for the future of uh artistic accomplishment yeah agreed agreed yeah no it's um i read gantz in a in a really kind of stutter step way i binged it and then stopped binging it yeah. and then binged it again um but I find a lot of inspiration in the way that it was created, both in the creator's embrace of new technologies, his uh, his retardation, mm-hmm. and his appreciation of titties, genuinely. Like, I think that's really cool. And I think that if more art was focused on things that you genuinely appreciate instead mm-hmm. of what you think you're supposed to appreciate... I think you end up with just a good product. I don't think it's a mistake that Gantz became as popular as it did, both in Japan and America and elsewhere. I agree. Zach, where can the people find you? You can find I'm So Popular um, by its name on Spotify, Apple, most of the podcasting services. And uh, on my show, we do a really exciting uh, project called Sirens that's only available for Patreon subscribers. where we do kind of uh, behind the scenes chatter. I do bonus episodes. I just read like uh, 30 pages of my diary on there recently. So that's all really juicy stuff. Um, and uh, there's lots of good stuff with these two boys behind a paywall there too. So please come come join me. And that's on patreon.com slash I'm so popular. I'm on Twitter at Oscar Homo and on Instagram is Langley Chichi, but who cares? So the, awesome. oh, the shit on Mein Kampf recently uh-huh. was intense yeah that was wild right yeah no when you were uh when you were talking with your mom at the end of one of them i was like i was in tears while like doing some really manual uh manly manual labor i was Thank like you. listening to that and was like damn i think i've heard a, maybe like uh maybe like six or seven people tell me that they teared up listening to that so I really, I, that's great. Thank you very much. I'm glad you emoted in some way that warms my heart. Absolutely. Perfect. You're the best. Thanks for coming on. Thank you so much. I had so much fun as always. Hell yeah. Thank you for listening to Agitator. If you enjoy the program and would like to support it, please go over to patreon.com slash agitator. You can join the community of artists collaborating, learning from each other, inspiring each other over on the Agitator exclusive Discord. You can read serialized novels written by the hosts and hear extended episodes like this one would typically be. But we just thought the sauce was so good, we had to show you what you were missing out on. So once again, patreon.com slash agitator. We'll see you over there.